Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to your most favorite off-season fantasy baseball show. It's Under the Radar. Part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Purdcast. With me as always, your friend and mine, Derek Ryba. Did you just say Purdcast? Like, Purd yeah. Happily? <laughs> <laughs> These are the words coming out of my mouth right now about fantasy baseball. Get excited. He's slumming it from rates and barrels, which is all over the place now. Congratulations, DVR. Yeah, we made it. Adding Brit was a tremendous move. Yes, it was. I thought you were going to introduce Ian, so I was just getting out of the way. Well, so, I mean, you started talking, and I'm like, you know, who needs Ian? <laughs> and our good friend Ian Khan. That was the best, because for so, ma- so many of our episodes that we've done, poor DVR is like out in the cold for like four minutes, and I finally got a taste, because usually you introduce me first, and today you do DVR first. <laughs> who keeps and I got track the of vibe that? Of do it. I really? <laughs> no, you no, you typically, and I find myself like, we should, and then you, you'll say something to the effect of, we should probably introduce Derek, right? And so that just happened to me. I have to say, it was kind of fun. I was like, ah, how's this all going to play out? But what, what's happening with Rates and Barrels that it's everywhere? Is it just the numbers are oh, live streaming? That, uh, people are tweeting oh. about it. It's uh, it's on YouTube. It's a wonderful got a YouTube, show. You can watch them live on YouTube. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Well, I will say the first 15 minutes of our show that we just did off air was pretty it's fantastic. Pretty good show. It was a very so good show. Actually. It was a good show, a solid show. Not not so much about baseball, but it was pretty fun. I, I enjoy those 15 minutes. And then I got to remember the rest of the show, what was said before the show. Like 35 minutes from now, I won't remember if it was said in these little eight minutes here or if it was said before we hit record. So I'll, 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 I'll check. We'll remember. <laughs> we'll make sure. We'll remember. <laughs> Uh, we got a fun show today. DVR's rankings are going to be coming out soon. Uh, this is yeah, we're not sure when, but they're coming. Uh, maybe Monday. <laughs> it looks like it looks like they're finished. I, I saw the message in Slack. I thought you wanted to wait till Monday. I have them ready. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just, yeah, I, I do. I think I think if we tease it to Monday, then like you know, pe- like instead of just popping it out like four o'clock on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, if we're like, hey, yo, Monday, nine a.m. Derek Van Riper's fantasy. Like we could even make a little video. It's tease. very exciting. Yeah. We could do a video. Well, yeah, so they were done Tuesday. They were one day later than I expected, and then I saw your message about waiting, and sure, it makes sense. You know what? I would I would spend up to $30 uh, for a cameo of some random baseball player to be like, Derek Van Riper's rankings come out Monday at 9 a.m. Get excited, people. <laughs> Who should that player be? I'm, hold on, I'm on cameo right now. There are only 8,149 athletes, so stand by. <laughs> stand by. <laughs> So far, they're all a little too expensive. How many hybrid fantasy and baseball podcasters are on Cameo right now? Uh, well, we should just put Ian on. You want to do that? You want to put Ian on? Ian will do the best. Ian will make the most money on Cameo, but we should all be there. I, You know, it, it's so funny. When Cameo came out, I remember when it first came out, thinking to myself, this is like the dancing with the stars of the internet for actors. 
You know what I'm saying? Like what, what really? Because I've done those before. Like I do them for people as I used to do it more when I was in character and it would be super fun, you know, because people would lose their minds because I would be like, hello, um, so good to see you, Elizabeth. And we wish you well from afar, you know, something like that. Would you put the, um, would you put the wig on? Susan wanted me. No, I would do it in costume. Like it would be on set and somebody oh, like, nice. look, my, my niece is like such a huge fan of yours. Would you do? And I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, check this out. So I can do this. Boom. And then they're like, oh my God. So it was sort of fun. And then it was like, oh, you can make 50 bucks every time you do it. I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Like, even if it just feels kind of awkward, but then someone like Sarah Jessica Parker does it for, for charity where you, she'll do a 30 second cameo or a minute cameo for like 500 bucks and give that money to, I think it's New York city ballet. So I think that's pretty cool. I have to say. So far, we're striking out. Dontrell Willis is 50 bucks. He's not in the rankings. <laughs> it's got to be someone in the rankings, <laughs> well, right? Oh, oh, well, Brady Singer's 25. All right. Brady Singer's a riser. Oh, Brady Singer. That You should totally do that, guys. We should do that. Brady should, Singer. Wait a minute. Pete Alonzo's in there. 25 he's bucks. probably very expensive. Yeah. I'm going to guess he's 150. How much? Guessing, guessing these prices is hard. Yeah. Jordan Luplo. Actually, that'd be a good if, if we don't if DVR and I don't look. If we didn't have other stuff to talk about, we could do how much are they charging on Cameo? Do you want to just make that the whole, and then we'll just do this in two weeks, the DVR rankings thing? Uh, no, because <laughs> no, we, yeah, we should. <laughs> we got to talk about Tony Larusa. We've got Taiwan Walker. Apparently, Vlad is skinny. Haven't seen that myself. I want to talk about Calvin Biggio and the underlying numbers, which were surprising to me. And then I have three players that I really want to ask DVR about of uh, people who he has lower in his rankings than than I think is uh, appropriate. Right, well, someone's all business today. I guess we'll get to Cameo after the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think to do it well, what we'd have to do is DVR and I would not look, and you would have to go through yeah. the list and like pick the 20 guys. Like We don't just want to be, right, you know right. what I'm saying? And then we do over-under, and then we could say who is stupid for charging so much because you don't deserve that. The biggest bargain, like the, you know, the best late round, is clearly Brady Singer for 25 bucks. I think he's a pretty handsome dude too, you know. So it's like, hey, you're getting all of it. Pete Alonso for two fifty. Uh, give me ten Brady Singers for one Pete Alonso. Amir Garrett's <laughs> yeah, one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Well, Amir Garrett's got a lot to say. Chris Bubich is twenty. Now they read off a script. What do you mean he's got a lot to say? <laughs> no, you don't read off a script. Hey, say, hey, Derek, I hear it's your birthday. Yeah, but Amir Garrett's got some stuff. He's worth one twenty-five. Aubrey Huff's a hundred. You want to get Aubrey Huff for a hundred? I really don't. But if Dontrell Willis is going for fifty, I see Amir Garrett one twenty-five. I still say Brady Singer is the is yeah. the discounted. Yeah. Distance. All right. Well, all right. Let's. I don't want to bore people with this uh, unless it's very interesting. Yeah. Let us know. We'll go. We'll make a show out of it to accompany DVR's column. Um, all right. So DVR's rankings coming. Uh, some other stuff happening that I guess. Ian ran down the entire thing for us. It's weird you didn't see uh, the Vlad Guerrero skinny pictures. They they did like a there was a you know like a three hour window on Twitter where everyone was retweeting it and then before they moved on to the next thing. I missed it. I was on my at Ian Con as opposed to at Ian Con four because right now at Ian Con four is all about Tom Brady and other people who I'm not following anymore. I, what I don't you understand know. it. It's all fantasy football on 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 oh. my on my fantasy baseball account. It's all fantasy football and I I just. You know, I made a I made a, a choice, and I'm sticking happily sticking with it. So I, I tend to live more on the other one these days. So I missed it. How does he look? Like his dad. Let me like look his at dad. That. He's lost <laughs> thirty pounds. Look, I know we look, in spring training. Oh, the best shape of his life, and blah blah blah. And I don't believe it. But I think this is actually. I mean, like DVR. Correct me if I'm wrong. But like you look at Vlad Guerrero Jr. and it, like if, if you've never seen him before, you're like, all right, the dude probably looks like his dad. You know, wiry strength. And then you see him, and you're like, he's like Pablo Sandoval. And now that he's lost his weight, he kind of looks like his dad again. 
Does that play into anything for you, DVR? Yeah, I, I retweeted it uh, with the "It's happening, isn't it?" from Arrested Development uh, because <laughs> it, I, I remember with with Vlad Jr. I saw something. It was after one of the playoff games. Actually, it was kind of like a behind the scenes thing from his time in the Midwest League a few years ago, and I believe it was his grandmother who was living with him at the time in Lansing. And the story was about how both Vlad Jr. and his dad are very popular with their teammates because grandma's an amazing cook. Like They'll bring tons of food in and, and just share it with other players, and it's just like this like, cool cultural experience, right? And anyway, I, I just I, I thought, wow, okay, so you know, Vlad Jr., like, he's just... He's got the awesome grandma. He's he's just like loading up on delicious food, and this is why he's a little bigger than he should be. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the Kyle Schwarber body transformation from I want to say it was two off seasons ago now, right? Schwarber had that same kind of like bigger belly body type, and then he slimmed down a bit. I'd say that's kind of where Vlad Junior's at right now. It looks like a, a much more healthy, consistent playing weight for him. Ian, what do you think? You have to have found it by now, right? I'm, I'm, I swear, I keep looking. It's like hard to find. Oh, just found it. Just found it. Okay, here's... Yeah, he does. He looks fantastic. Okay. Um, so, I was on another podcast. I'm not going to mention what podcast Sorry, I mentioned it, man. Where I, why not? Well, it didn't... It didn't. It, 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 I ran into some trouble. So, I don't want <laughs> Then you can please pause the show. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. It's okay. So, I, I was talking about Vlad, and I was talking about his... The way he grew up and how... I downgrade him as a dynasty asset because he grew up in a uh, the, the his weight to me was a symbol of how hard he was willing to work for it, and that because he grew up the way he did. And there's a guy named Jared Hyman on Twitter who kind of reached out to me and was sort of like, "I just want you to know that that's crap what you said." And I forget exactly like what uh, he 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 just really was very pointed about it. And he said, "I think it's unfair what you said." And here's why. So what I did, which is unusual, is I reached out to him on, on Twitter. I was like, hey, I want to call you and discuss this. <laughs> Dude, you, you, have, you complicated. have issues, man. No, 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 no. But also, he was very... A Twitter troll. No, he wasn't a troll. That was the point. Like, his 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 message, I, I, I think he... His message was really smart. And I, I was very impressed by it. And he was really bringing at it from a different point of view. And I think one of the best things in life is to see things from a different point of view than what it is that you've expressed. So this guy, he, he's actually, he's in the MLB world and um, owns a bunch of restaurants that MLB players come to. And, and he had talked to with somebody. And I have to say, like, I, I did a real mea culpa on that one with him. And I was like, you know what? I think you're right. He said it was, he thought it was inappropriate that I was speaking about somebody's psychology in that way so deeply and sort of judging him without really knowing him. And that if, if I knew him, I might not express myself in the same way and that it was very arrogant of me. And I appreciated that. And I took responsibility for that. And then the plan was to go back on that podcast to rediscuss it. But then life happened and I couldn't do it. And I never actually had a chance to speak to it. So I'm going to speak to it now that I, I was out of line in the way that I spoke about. It. And the fact that he's doing the work that he's doing now, I'm, I'm very happy for him. I'm happy for Dynasty League owners who own him. Um, I'm happy for the Blue Jays because I think that it, it's going to be a necessary. I think we're going to see a different ball player. Um, somebody who's really laser focused because, you know, as an actor, when you're growing up, if things come easily to you, 
if you have all the talent in the world, it means you don't have to work as hard, right? So he has all the talent in the world, and now he's putting that together with work, hard work. So a real tip of the cap to, to Vlad. I wish him the best. Um, and he'll be going up in my rankings because of this picture, believe it or not. And a tip of the hat to Jared Hyman, oh, all right. who called me out and... I mean, look, please don't like call me out every day now saying, hey, yo, Ian's going to give me a call because I told him what an idiot he was. It's going to cost it. me 30 bucks if it was... <laughs> <laughs> on cameo yeah, I, will, exactly. I will i will i will respond on i will respond to your query on cameo no but i i, I just really appreciated it so i it, it just came up and i was like oh man well yeah we i should speak to that so that's it that's all that's all i got right now dvr uh where's vlad guerrero on your rankings i know i could just open this up and find it for myself but i'm okay there because uh, hitters how do you use a pen to open my rankings that was weird what? Oh, I clicked, I clicked my pen. Sorry. I'm actually, I was scribbling down cameo names and dollar values on the... Uh, on the <laughs> there's, a, there's a box in front of me that I have my computer and, and the books on and everything because I got this whole setup with the soundboard, whatever. Uh, and so I was scribbling everyone who's about 20 to $35 who's intriguing to me. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing over there, but... You got Vlad Guerrero at 47th. Uh, beneath... Austin Meadows, Jordan Alvarez, Giancarlo Stanton, ahead of Tim Anderson, Javier Baez, Yoan Mancata. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson's really good. Uh, yeah, so you know it's it's a little bit lower so than we're used that. to having Vlad, but not far off where early drafters seem to be taking him. I still believe. Wow, DVR. By the way, man, this are, are we going to put this whole spreadsheet out? This is pretty. Incredible. Uh, it needs to be cleaned up to be. It's pretty much too wide for one, but we can we could work on that. No, is it? It's too wide. Yeah, it's that. That would be like off frame on the site. But no, no, I'm saying a down- downloadable spreadsheet. Yeah, like this is color coded. This has average exit velocity, max exit velocity, mm. roto dollars earned. Yeah, or is that projected? No, roto that's earned. earned. I, I think it comes from enough random sources where it, I shouldn't republish the whole table. Maybe I can take a few things out and still have it be useful. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Sorry okay, to rain on your ahead. parade. Uh, I think the thing that Vlad Jr.'s done really well since coming into the league is he's controlled strikeouts and he's hit the ball hard. The problem is that he hits the ball on the ground too much, but that's very correctable, right? And if you if you show those max exit velocities among the league leaders, as Vlad Jr. has, like you still have that 70-grade or 80-grade raw power in there. It's only a matter of time. And I think we saw... Raphael Devers took him about three years to fully get there. Now, I think all of us expected Vlad Jr. to be a star the day he stepped on the field for the first time as a Blue Jay. And he's been good, but he just hasn't been as good as we expected him to be yet. I think he can still get there, but I wonder, are we supposed to lower the long-term ceiling based on the first two seasons we've seen? Like, Is it fair to say, instead of being a perennial... 300 hitter with a 40 home run ceiling who's going to be a middle of the order elite run producer is he going to be more of a a 280 30 home run guy who more like a Jose Abreu type player in the long run like people are going to be disappointed even though Jose Abreu is a really good player but maybe that's where the ceiling should be at based on what we've seen for now I've always seen him as a different kind of player like as a like Jose Abreu to me is like just a solid first um Abreu is good, though. I mean, if you're going to get that at third base, and he says he wants to go back to third base, and that's part of the reason why I'm discounting this year. Like, they just threw him at first base, uh, you know, the day before the season started. Um, you lose the weight. You've got a little extra seasoning. The lineup around you is getting better. Uh, you've shown you can do it in the minors. 
Your father's one of the best hitters of all time. I don't know. To me, it just adds up like, you know, and I was, I was prepared. Like, I thought you were going to have him like 70th the way like we had kind of talked about him on the show before. I would put, I, I think he's going to be top, can I say 25? Top 25 hitter? I'm just looking at this. I'm just trying to figure out where I'd squeeze him in on this spreadsheet here, which is just the hitters. Yeah, so if you were just looking at the all list, you'd put him up by like Arenado, uh, Kyle Tucker. I had a Kyle Tucker. I had a Corey yeah, Seager. Below Aaron Judge. That's the problem. I'd mix some of these guys yeah, up. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, that's but that's your list. Yeah, that's that's the fun. Of, yeah, that's the fun of list. I think I put him top twenty five, comfortably top thirty, maybe top twenty five. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't. I, I would have Alonzo lower. Um, well, anyway, but but Vlad, it's it's a good it's a good sign of things to come. But we are going to have to talk about Tim Anderson at forty eight because I think that's uh, low. That's way low for me, man. I mean, I've got Tim Anderson in my top forty overall dynasty assets at this point. All right, go for it, man. What, 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 segue what, your way into it. it, it now, this is not OBP, right? This is just standard 5x5 five five roto, yep. am I correct? Why so low, bro? You know, I think what's probably holding him back is that it's pretty average power. It's good speed, not elite speed. And I still think there are concerns about run production because for a guy that's hit 331, over the last two seasons combined, he's still getting on base only at a 357 clip. It could be too low. But DVR, he had 126 runs. That is elite. It's, I mean, it's two seasons combined. Look at the guys ahead of him, right? Just about everybody ahead of him. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Two seasons combined. I did yeah. not catch that. Yeah, so if he had 45 <laughs> like, in the yeah, shortened wait, season. Yeah, yeah. He had 45. He was among what, the, how among many, the league leaders in the shortened season at 45. And how many... I'm sorry. I guess I should... You keep talking while I look up his actual numbers. <laughs> They're on the left. <laughs> No, for the year? I just want to look at the Yeah, they're to the left. (laughs) 2020 stats are on the left side. Ah. 2019 to 20 are on the right side. Ooh, ooh. Got it. Okay, thank you. So I guess I don't need to look up the stats. Okay, so 10 home runs. That extrapolates to about 28 home runs. 45 runs. That's about 120. That's dark green. That's dark green. So he was the league leader, I assume. Yeah, he was among the league leaders. I think Tatis scored more. And then RBIs, 21. So that would be, I guess, about oh, 70. And then stolen bases, 15. I don't know. I mean, with a 331 average. Or what, what's his average for the year? Uh, 322. I, I, I mean, what more do you need? What's missing? RBIs, maybe? Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys you look at, and I think you could argue him a lot higher. I think you see in early drafts, he's going earlier than where I have him ranked. I mean, these, again, these are... They're done, but they're a first draft overall for draft season, right? right please move them up ahead of Austin Meadows. Like, I, I, I just, I, and Eugenio Suarez, and J.D. Martinez. I mean, I just, and Louis Robert. Like, I, I don't know. That's, I just, I don't So you know. think you think Tim Anderson belongs versus, kind of in like the Whit Merrifield range? I think he belongs. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think he belongs ahead of Glaber Torres. I mean, the difference between Glaber and uh, and I would put him over. I would put Tim Anderson where Glaber Torres is, and maybe Glaber Torres where Tim Anderson is. I mean, just because there's not the speed there, Glaber's just not fast. He will not steal bases. I, I just, I just think he's an elite player. I think Anderson is an elite player. I think he belongs in the Corey Seager argument. He got hurt, the, didn't he? Kyle Tucker. Did he spend some time on the... A little bit. Yeah, he, I think he lost a couple of weeks. 
I guess you could just Google that without asking out loud. Yeah, goes on injured list with groin strain. Yeah, so I just think, and and he ran. If I remember correctly, he ran quite a bit more. I mean, it's look. I'm picking apart your list. It's so desperately unfair. Like if we went to my dynasty list that I will eventually be coming out with, you're going to be able to find five players, ten players where you're like, what? So, but I just happen to have a great love for Tim Anderson. I just think he's an Partially because of his prospect pedigree. I mean, he was a top 10 to top 15 prospect for years and then comes up and does it. Goes through his freshman year, looking at Vlad, right? He's almost at the end of his freshman year, using that analogy that we've that I've used before. You know, Anderson is like deeply into his sophomore year, about to become a junior, and is one of the best players in baseball in terms of fantasy. Not with the glove, but it ain't OOTP. This is 5x5. Five five. And not OBP, different story. But this is 5x5 five five Roto. I think he has to be... To me, he's a top 25 player, without a question. There are two ways I want to go with this now. Uh, one is, you guys can decide. One is uh, Tim Anderson and all these exciting White Sox. Are they going to be completely destroyed by Tony La Russa? Or, I mean, could he just be like so old school and anti-analytical? He's like, let him play. Let him go for it, man. Let him do whatever they want. Dear. That's one. And you even heard like Marcus Stroman the other day came out and said like no amount of By the way, Marcus Stroman looks like breaking news just accepted the Mets offer. Good. Uh, the qualifying offer. That's yeah. good news. Interesting. Um, yeah. Well, you know, sense. maybe he talked to Cohen and Sandy Alderson and was like, okay, we can talk extension. Like, you guys are serious and you like me. And you're going to bring in some people and I can win here. Stroman just tweeted, after watching the presser, I'm beyond excited to play for you, sir. <laughs> I could feel the excitement yeah. and passion you're you going go. to bring daily. Let's go be great. I mean, and the truth is, if you're Marcus Stroman after sitting out 2020, you have a good chance to rebuild your value and and come up with a four or five year deal if you pitch really well. I think people were talking about Marcus Stroman being pretty underrated. I think it was actually Alex Fast on MLB Network. It's cool to see your friends on TV. Like it's actually really cool to see that. Yes, guy who hasn't watched Turn yet. Hey, I've seen five episodes. (laughs) I think I've seen as many, if not more, than you, which is amazing. Five episodes is so sad because I arrive in episode six. <laughs> that's so sad. It's like, it's like, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's okay. So clearly, it's all good. Stroman all good. tweeted on what day was this? This was Tuesday that he, you know, didn't want to play for the White Sox, right? He values peace of mind. So it's clear after just watching and, and looking at the reports from the presser that Steve Cohen had on Tuesday. This is a totally different era for the Mets. Free agents are going to want to go there because they're going to pay top dollar. Yeah. And it's New York, right? I mean, it's an opportunity to be on the biggest stage. With that, you get more endorsement opportunities. I, I understand why a player I would go there. I don't know if I buy that anymore. I, I, think, I, don't, I don't buy that New York thing Pete Alonso sells more mattresses than anybody in America. He is the undisputed mattress king. Let's put that aside, though. Marcus Stroman, really? Marcus Stroman going back to the Mets. With a 231 average because he's selling all of those damn Easy. Mattresses. It's not about that. That's not why. That's not the problem. We'll we'll, we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Marcus uh, Stroman. I bought a right. oh, very good priced Pete Alonso card this week, by the way. <laughs> because of pe- yeah. because of people like you. <laughs> good. Good. Then you'd be grateful. Sorry, you know, DVR's ranting. Not right knowing right. where Stroman was going, I had him as my 50th ranked starting pitcher. Not knowing where he's going to go, right? There's mm-hmm. Possibility he goes to the AL. We don't know about universal DH. But going into the NL, staying in the NL, staying with the Mets, he's probably going to go up a few spots. Probably going to be closer to like the back of the top 40. The only thing you're really not going to get is strikeouts. Maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room with whip. But you're going to get a good ERA. Home run suppression is a legitimate skill of his. And I think we're going to look at this team and say 
it's an above average supporting cast. The offense is already good. They're probably going to go out and add more pieces very clearly, right? They might be the team that goes out and gets George Springer. They might be the team that adds JT Realmuto. They're probably going to make some moves in the bullpen. Maybe they add Liam Hendricks to the bullpen, right? It's easy to see the team context for the Mets pitching getting better. The only thing you're worried about potentially is that the 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 defense around him might be below average. And Stroman allows a lot of balls in play. So that's the only thing that gives you a little bit of pause. But I like Stroman. I think this is a good fit. It's a great fit. And he wasn't going to make any more money on the open market based on... I, I Actually, when I saw that they gave him the qualifying offer, I was like, that's a Steve Cohen. I'm a billionaire. I'll pay the extra $6 million for the player. Because that's what it is. It's $6 million extra dollars. Uh, Stroman would have gotten a... Two-year, $24 million deal, maybe. Three-year, $36 million, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe a little bit more. But um, I, I love this for them. I also, I'm really happy for Mets fans. I'm not one of those Yankee fans who's like, the Mets suck at all. Like, I'm, I'm, I have too many family and friends who are huge Mets fans. Them being successful does not make the Yankees any less successful. I will say that 2000 beating them in the World Series kind of, solidifies that like it makes it a little easier to feel this way but at the same time I think it's great I can't wait in fact I'm excited for Mets games I think they're going to be and and his press conference the 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 bits that I watched of it were so freaking smart it was like a a really good dynasty owner because when he said I don't want to win one year and then lose for three I want to be great every single I want to be good every single year and he's not going to be afraid he's going to have the highest payroll in baseball he's going to make things harder for other owners I think I think that that's the I think that's the danger is he's like Mark Cuban coming into MLB he's like he's he's going to change the equation and uh, the team is going to get good people are going to want to play there. That stadium's great. It is. I got to find out if my friend is still running the. Uh, uh, <laughs> now I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'll go. I'll come to City Field. <laughs> I'll come. They're my. They're my third favorite team. They're my third favorite team. I have to say. Oh man, we got now. We got to guess number two. No, number two sucks because it's got to be the Red Sox because I promised my niece that what? she lives. In That's Boston. impossible. It's yeah, not. Come on, it, man. Yankees, Red but, Sox, Mets. Yeah, right, kind of. Well, also, you know, we lived in L.A. for three years, and I was working with Gary Marshall, the director. He used to talk like, listen, it's Gary Marshall here. That guy did Happy Days in Laverne and Shirley. So I worked with him for three years. You never mentioned Gary Marshall before that you knew him? Yeah, I, that was, I did a lot. Of, I spent a lot of years with that guy. He was, he was wonderful. He passed away, unfortunately, in 2013, I think. And he uh, he had tickets to the Dodgers right behind home plate. So everyone's like, Ian, take your family to the game. Get a Dodger dog. Have some fun. So we went to a lot of Dodgers games while we lived there. We also lived like 15 minutes from Dodger Stadium. So there's a little bit of love for the Dodgers. Which did you get to sit in his seats? Yeah, I sat in his. Of course, I got. Uh, I I don't know. It's not like you're just giving you advice, not his tickets. (laughs) No, he was like, "Go to the game. Bring the wife. She's very pretty. I like her. She's Italian, right? Good news." (laughs) (laughs) I did do a good. Can you do the? Can you do the rest of the shows, Gary? Actually, let's get a cameo going. Ian is Gary Marshall for. I have. I have a video. Of Gary, of me, because I I spent so much time with him. We used to go and pitch shows together, and I would be the lead pitch guy. We'd go, Ian's going to do the pitch. I'll come in at the end. I'll do little bits. And so in the middle, I would do, you know, I would do, and then Gary will come in, and he'll be like, listen, and he'll go, I don't talk like that. And the whole room would start laughing because he does talk exactly like that. Yeah, so I have a video. I have a 45-second video of <laughs> Gary Marshall as George Washington in costume. Where it's, <laughs> this it's, is so it's, deep. Dude, it's pretty funny. 
I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you guys. I'll have to find it, but I'll send it to you. It's pretty, maybe I'll even post it. If, if, if enough people write, post the Gary Marshall video, I'll post it on Ian Con four. Cause it's pretty funny. It is. I think we're going to have that. That'll happen. All right. We'll see how it All goes. Right, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think you could probably do, um, and I can't think of the actor's name from National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation. He was in a million other things. Chevy Chase? No, Aunt Edna's husband. I never saw any of the vacations. William Hickey. Like William Hickey. Uncle Lewis. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> it's not, well, because it sounds like the voice that you're doing sounds like you could also do his. It's just like bring it like an octave up and a little faster. You're not doing anything productive. See? Thank you, DVR. You know oh, that. Oh, man. Uh, listen. Go get my doing? stogie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, guys. I bet you could do it. I bet you could do it. Uh, I'll I'll work on it, though. It seems like we already have that one. It's set. I could do, uh, yeah. But on the tone of La Russa bit in in the White Sox, is there there a... Shut up, Amazon. Is there a uh, a a thought about... Do you have an Echo Dot? Yeah, I got got like an Echo Dot and an Echo... I got two of them going right now. It's it's annoying. Is there a thought that Tony La Russa should not be the manager of the White Sox based on what happened with the... Driving while intoxicated. I'm asking. I don't I actually. They know. They knew. Opinion. They knew about all this. So, right. so, they so claim. How, does that, how does that play? I mean, how 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 is how are you guys feeling about that? I, I think there's something else coming. I didn't like the hire even before we knew that there was a second DUI, and it's extremely frustrating that in addition to the absurdity of the White Sox hiring process, they interviewed one minority candidate to check that box. And then just hired Larusa, right? It was ownership going just completely on their own and making this decision, and not even looking for the best candidate, just choosing their guy, and then hiring him despite this. And it's not the first time, right? Like that's that's the concern. And then you get the report. Jeff Passan had the quotes from Larusa of the night that he was stopped. I mean. I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, man. Like people who say things like that. <laughs> do you see that ring? Do you see the ring? Like people who say things like that have said those things before. That wasn't the first time Tony Larusa tried to use his position to get an advantage or to get out of trouble, right? That's a pull string statement from someone like Tony Larusa. I think there are a lot of reasons why it's troubling, but let's just focus on the fact this is the second DUI that we know about. He's supposed to be a leader, a leader of men who are prone to making very bad decisions, right? This is what young men do, make very bad choices. And I keep coming back to this. How can he be How can he be respected in that clubhouse just as a, a good person? It just it blows my mind that, that this is okay, that of all the people in the world you could hire for that position, if you're Jerry Reinsdorf, you say, yeah, uh, Tony LaRusse is the guy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what he does off the field. It doesn't matter. What he's done doesn't doesn't matter at all. He's our guy. That's crazy to me. I read something somewhere. I think Ken Rosenthal's column had it uh, about how like he's he's he was never able to get over how he let him go back in whenever it was. And this is this is the make good. Yep, that's what it is. You know who'd be a great manager for this team? Carlos Beltran. Since everybody else is getting back into it after this Astros thing, I would have thought AJ Hinch would have been the right choice or Alex Cora. You know, it's just interesting that Beltron had a player role in Houston in that scandal, lost his first and only opportunity to manage the Mets last offseason, obviously didn't have a job in 2020 in baseball, and then 
Hinch and Cora get the one-year suspensions. They get jobs immediately after their suspensions end. And yeah, Beltron wasn't really even in the running for the White Sox position, right? I mean, it's it's also weird that Beltron as a player gets punished more post-career than any of the players who are still playing were punished. They get they get punished in no way, which is just very odd to me. Well, the thing is that Cora and Hinch both have a World Series ring on their on their fingers. Yeah, you know they've they've earned they they you know when you have that level of success where you're the best in the game, then you get the chance even when you mess up bad. That's a slippery slope that the White Sox are on with Larusa too. Like this is a different kind of mistake, one that has consequences that are much different than banging a trash can to tell someone what pitch is coming. Right, cheating in a baseball game is much different than driving drunk, but. If you keep looking at success and not looking at the actual character of the people you're hiring, the pattern just repeats over and over and over again. Well, we'll see what happens. But I do I, I do worry that he's going to destroy if he sticks around. But actually, so I worry he's going to destroy everybody's fantasy value. But he might also just Why? be... Uh, I mean, like, they're not going to like him. Who's going to play? Marcus Stroman said he wouldn't play for him. Tim Anderson said he hasn't called him yet. I mean, that was last week, but still... Uh, but also, but wait, think of this. I believe Larusa was the manager of the Cardinals at, at that at a time when they were running more. So if he's playing more of old school baseball, maybe Anderson runs more, maybe Moncada runs more. I mean, we'll oh, see. I, I think a, it's strange young... to have a seventy a seventy six year old man come in and manage for the first time in fifteen years is seems bizarre to say the least. It is young, exciting team. Uh, one quick thing, I just got noticed back. So. Um, I was intended to be on the MLB network this coming Monday, but unfortunately because of everyone seems to be safe and well, um, but because of a possible COVID exposure, I'm fine. Everyone's fine. Uh, I'm going to be postponing that. Um, And I just heard back from them. That's that's all good. They're very happy. Uh, But what I didn't know was that our, my friend and yours, your friend and mine, Nando Dufino was on MLB network on Friday on Friday and told DVR but did not tell me and actually knew this two weeks ago and didn't want to quote steal my thunder what I have no idea what you're talking about but anyway uh, Nanda was on MLB Network that's not friendship that's that's I don't even know what that is you were so excited like hey guys I got a big announcement to make got a big surprise I was excited and now I'm kind of sad that I'm not going to be able to do the show on this coming Monday but they they said when you're when all is clean please we're very excited to have you back, which I'm very grateful for. By the way, Alex Fast is remarkably good on television. That guy is going to be a commentator for sure. I mean, the guy is really, really good. That clip I saw of him on Marcus Stroman was was two thumbs up. But Nando, how was your experience on MLB uh, Now with Brian Kenny? It was a good time. I liked it. Yeah. All class, all the way. Yeah. And uh, there was a, I got to meet Tom Verducci, which was very cool. Um, and I got to meet Dan O'Dowd. Which is also very cool. Two really nice guys. Like you can tell they're just bringing in nice people. You know, mm-hmm. they got nice people on that show, and the entire production staff. They were great. Everyone was great, top to bottom. It was a, it was a good time. Great time. Nay, a great time. Nay, a great time. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think there's much online of it. I'll let I'll let everybody know next time. I promise. Please do. Please, please. I just please. you know I don't like. Hey, you know I'm gonna be on the show. Watch me. You know what's the what's the end for that? Eh, it's just cool. Like I would have, I would have enjoyed every minute of watching you on TV. You get it here, though. That was like I maybe talked for like. Well, actually, there's breaking news, and so I was a little more involved in the second hour. But uh, during the show, you know, like they just hit me up. For, I said a couple things, and then they go to the next one. Mm-hmm. So this this you get the full experience. It's true. It's true. Speaking speaking of full experience, I got some new names and some dollar values. 
Okay. You ready? <laughs> yes. There's someone named Emily Reppert who's $10. I don't know who that is. And I think it might be nice not to, you know, if we don't want an ex-ball player. Actually, Rachel Luba is $22. Trevor Bauer's agent, uh, who's big on Twitter. All right. Any other players? Yeah, okay, here we go with the players then. I just wanted to throw that out there. Here we go with the players. Jazz Chisholm is $30. Huh, that'd be fun. Right? His name is Jazz. He's got to be jazzy. Right? That's, I agree. Uh, oh, man. I scribbled this one. I can't even read it now. It looks like Jordy Lantern. <laughs> Whoops. We'll come back to that one. Dude, but he's Not only 20 bucks. Oh, oh no. John, du- John Duplantier. 20 bucks. John Duplantier. <laughs> come on, man. He had, He's on TikTok. He does good TikToks. Man, I'm so frustrated with John Duplantier. Right. I have such high hopes for him. Logan mm-hmm. Allen. 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. These are all like pitchers that I've had high hopes for so far. Denard Span, $25. That's kind of fun. He's got a nice beard. Here's one that I couldn't believe. Omar Vizquel, $25. Ooh. Unless I missed something that's like Omar Vizquel Jr. Uh, <laughs> it looks like Omar Vizquel is only $25. Uh, Brady Singer obviously is 25 and then Cody House is 30 Cody House, huh? House? House? I don't know how you say it. How do you say it? Prospect rankings for him I think would be the way to go, right? Say what? True. If you were gonna, if you do like a, a prospect yeah. rankings introduction, he'd yeah. be a good like choice. If you want that. someone to be like, "Hey, I'm John Duplantier, number 175 on Derek Van Riper's pitching rankings," <laughs> and I feel like that's just a, a rough yeah, ask, right? even for just twenty or twenty five bucks. Like, oh man, like I, I'm looking at someone who's kind of buried on the list. Like, hi, I'm Joey Wendell. I'm 291st among hitters on DVR's 2021 fantasy baseball hitter is? rankings. I don't think he's going to play that But maybe much. one, maybe they'll have a sense of humor and be like, here's why I should be higher, wow. sucker. Well, that's that Wander Franco conversation that that is has been living for many people so far. That This question of whether Wander Franco is actually going to get as many at-bats. Um, you know, I wanted to ask this question because you're better at looking at the underlying numbers than I am. Um, you're talking to me or DVR? DVR. I know, I know. <laughs> um, the... I got I remember this this very famous quote famous trade where I traded Charlie Blackman and Charlie Morton for uh, Dominguez Jason Dominguez before last year's draft. Well, I just got an offer for him of Kavon Biggio and a second round pick for Dominguez, which I'm not going to do. But I looked into we're not going to do my partner um, Rob Mershak and I. Um, but I looked at his numbers, and they're really bad, Biggio. So DVR, I was wondering if you could look at those numbers, which I, I put on the rundown here, um, and tell tell us like how how is it working? Like why does it work? Because these numbers aren't particularly good. Yeah, so BGO is kind of a a stat cast anomaly, and if you look at average exit velocity and hard hit percentage and the X stats, he's blue ink across the board in all of those. Uh, the only red ink you see when you go to baseball savant is for sprint speed. He's an mm-hmm. above average runner and for whiff percentage, the times he swings the bat and doesn't so make the, any contact. The whiff percentage, does that mean if it's high, it means that he swings and misses more? It would be it like red is okay. good for the hitter. As so he doesn't strike out as much, right? Doesn't okay. whiff a lot. Like he, you could still strike out a lot and not have a high whiff percentage. Because you could take a lot of pitches. You could take called strikes, right? Like, that would be one way to do that. Um, but I think the thing about Kevin Biggio that kind of caught my eye, this was last spring now, if you go to Baseball Savant and you look at the leaderboard for average exit velocity, like the main 
leaderboard that comes up. So you go, you click leaderboards, it's exit velocity and barrels, and you click on the sweet spot percentage, which is only the third column over from the left. If you sort by that, Biggio was a leader in that category in 2019, and he's more like mid-pack in 2020. And I think it's interesting because when he was launching an extremely high number of batted balls in the optimal launch angle for a home run, I think that put him in a position to hit low exit velocity home runs or lower exit velocity home runs, right? You think about a home run and you're thinking, okay, it's probably hit at least 100 miles per hour. So Biggio's got this funny thing. It's, it's a high loft sort of swing, big fly ball approach. I think he pulls almost everything. So you have a guy that has a good eye, dead pull, lots of fly balls. And that means you're going to get some softly hit fly balls and infield fly balls sprinkled in there as well. And you're going to get all that blue ink, but you've got patience to go with it. Clearly a discerning eye. He can find a pitch to drive and drive it. And he's got some speed. So he's just never going to be a superstar, but he does enough things well, I feel like, to exceed the expectations of those batted ball metrics for, for the things we care about in fantasy. So I don't know if that is a satisfactory explanation of, of Kevin Biggio and what you see, but look where I've got him ranked. I've got him 59th among hitters. So once you, if you think about an overall list, there'd probably be about 40 pitchers thrown in before you get to the 59th hitter. So he's like a fringy top 100 guy, and it's because he still runs. Once he stops running, he's going to sink like a stone. Got it. But so you've got Dominic Smith at 87, Teoscar Hernandez at 89, and then Anthony Santander was at 109. And so I guess I'm I'm bringing up all of these players to you as wondering why you have Biggio ahead of those guys, especially like Teoscar, who also will run. Yeah, Teoscar, I think, is a defensive liability. Kind of talked about him a little bit two weeks ago. Uh, I think the swing and miss in his game is not going away. He's a 30-plus percent K-rate guy. He doesn't walk enough to be a well-above-average source of run scored. And I think with Biggio, because he's an OBP machine, where he's going to hit in the lineup is probably at the top. That bodes really well for you know the counting stats. Uh, I think the other key difference, just looking at him compared to, to Oscar, uh, comes from... Uh, the fact that I, I actually trust Biggio's speed a little bit more at this point of their respective careers. So it's lineup position. It's let fewer concerns about playing time. I think if Teoscar Hernandez goes into a prolonged slump, he's not providing defensive value. So he goes to the bench. He doesn't play through a slump. Kevin Biggio, as the everyday second baseman, plays through a slump. And I think that actually makes a pretty big difference. Now, there was some talk of Anderson Simmons, that the Blue Jays were interested in Simmons, which I found interesting because then they that moves Biggio to second, doesn't it? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, Bo, I mean, Bo Bichette would have to play somewhere else. Um, I don't. I, I kind of wonder, would they try him at third? I don't think they're moving Vlad back to third. That, that came up a little earlier, right? Like, he might want to play there, and, and being slimmed down, it seems more likely that he could be passable there. But if you do bring in Angleton Simmons, obviously you're, you're bolstering your defense. You're playing him at short. I mean, Bo Bichette has the arm to play third base. So I would assume Bo becomes the third baseman. Simmons is at short. Biggio stays at second. Vlad stays at first. Like, that's probably the default configuration. I think they're going to move Vlad back to third because Rowdy Tellez at first it opens up the DH for you to get anyone you want. That's what I think. That's no. what I think the machination is going to be. Well, Teoscar and, and Tellez are kind of both 
DHs. That's that's the problem, right? I mean, Tasker, you could throw him and left, but it's not good. Well, I don't know, man. I feel like I, I, I okay, I get it. And and what about for um, Dominic Smith? I like Dominic Smith a lot. I, I mean, if if I had up arrows and, and little indicators of like what I think players are going to do. He would have an up arrow. I think he played at a level that was more like an early round player. And I just want to see a little more. But he's he's great. He's a great I mean, His hitter. ADP is at 78 right now. And you have him at 89. So you have him probably in the 160s, right? When we add the pitchers, 150? Yeah, probably close to 150 is where he'd, he'd end up there. I mean, and this ADP, I think, was from literally one draft and hold draft. That'll get updated a few times as more drafts come in. So... Uh, just a loose right. guy. <laughs> that would make some sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like if if someone reached for him there, I, I don't think 78 is a, a total reach by any stretch. I, I think Dominic Smith, you think back when he was a prospect, guys, like he was supposed to be all hit tool, the power is going to come eventually, yes. and he's going to be locked in as a legit bat first first baseman. And I think on a lot of teams, like he, he definitely would be the first baseman of the next six years because they also have Pete Alonso. We don't know about the universal DH. They have to move him around a little bit more, and that's caused uh, caused some questions about you know how they're going to keep him in the lineup every day. But at this point, I mean, if you're projecting playing time for Dominic Smith based on what we know right now, what percentage of games do you think Dominic Smith is going to start for the Mets in 2021? With DH or without DH? Well, I mean, break it out for both, I guess, since we don't know. With DH, 100%. He'll be in the lineup every day. Okay. I'd give him like 80. And you go 80 with the DH, Nando? I'm sorry, 80 without the DH. With the DH, I'd say 100. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. I, I think that's probably pretty close to right, which is why I'm not sure that Springer makes a lot of sense on that team because you've got Nimmo in center, and you've got Smith and J.D. Davis in left, and then in right, you've got Comforto. They got a trade you know? for for Francisco Lindor, right? I mean, they have a little bit of offensive I mean, redundancy, be... a little extra depth. They they can go fill in whatever holes are created by the trade. Hey, look at that! What if I've got a well? You can't give up five years of Alonzo, four years of Pete Alonzo for one year of um, Francisco Lindor, but I would. Well, don't you think <laughs> I would do don't it? Don't you think though the Mookie Betts trade with Betts being in the final year of his deal when he was traded yeah. last year, like that was Alex Verdugo. A good hitter, mm-hmm. several years of control left, and Jeter Downs, a, Jeter a, a Downs. nice prospect. That was that was yeah, what it became nice for bets, right? So that gives you kind of a loose estimate of what. So maybe Ahmed Rosario plus. I mean, I, I could see Ahmed Rosario and Dominic Smith would get it done. I bet. Remember, Bruce Door Gretarol was supposed to be in there. Yeah, right. Wasn't and that then, even crazy? They, boy, that my eight, can you imagine if my eight was still with the Dodgers? How how good that staff would have been? Right. Jeez. Holy smoke. I also noticed you. I mean, you've got Darvish on the pitching list. You've got Darvish at number five. Yeah, that one. That was for you, buddy. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I just, I, I can't, I just can't get behind that. But I want to say Brandon Woodruff, I'm seeing on lists. And please, everyone remember, DVR was so out in front of that. When we were to first start talking about Brandon Woodruff, he was at 150 ADP, and DVR was like, this was last offseason, early last offseason, and he was like, he's going to rise. He's going to rise and rise and rise. And now you have him at seven. I do argue with Scherzer at six. I think that's too high. I think that his best days are long behind him now. I think he starts to drop. It's entirely possible. Up, you know? Yeah, he was a little, little banged up. I just up. think that I think that 2019 run 
like I'm not I'm not saying he's going to drop like Bumgarner dropped, but I think when you overuse a pitcher like that in the postseason to win a championship, it it costs them. Because the, the the Max Scherzer I was watching this past season, except for like two or three starts out of the 12, was a guy who was throwing 93-94, which is just different than 97-98. And you can only imagine at age 30-whatever, 70 is now, that that's just going to continue, that, that Father Time is going to take its toll. I think Scherzer was one of my most difficult players to rank overall especially like a lot of the players that are hard to rank are guys that were rookies last year and we got a partial season uh sure. or maybe Brian Hayes guys like yeah that. right like you just you look at it and you're like okay like this matters but it was 25 games Scherzer you have this long track record of him being elite you take 10 11 12 starts for a pitcher that you think you've got a pretty good read on and you keep waiting for that cliff to come Everyone does when you get a pitcher in their mid and late thirties. Like you're just saying, "Oh, is this the year? Is this the year?" And I think what kept him, at least, has kept him at six for now in my rankings, is I look back at that nineteen and twenty combined, still elite with strikeouts, isn't walking a lot of guys, doesn't have a major home run issue, right? I mean, you can look at other guys that are in this range, kind of in the even the four, like Walker Bueller's ahead of him, Darvish is ahead of him. You look at Bueller, Darvish, Scherzer, Woodruff, Giolito, Bauer, Jack Flaherty, and you start looking at them over the longer run, and they're all very similar, and they all have a little flaw somewhere. And the guy that actually I think has the fewest flaws is Woodruff. It's his flaw is health. Of all the guys I just named, Woodruff has thrown the fewest innings of all of those guys over the last two seasons combined. And I would take Aaron. I would I would take Aaron Nola ahead of Scherzer at this point. But I'm also thinking from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, like, yeah, I, for I sure, saw... for sure, in dynasty. Like this is this is definitely. I mean, this hundred percent. Like Scherzer in dynasties, probably fringe top twenty as a pitcher at this point. Yeah, agreed. But even for next year, like I, I've got Aaron Nola ahead of Scherzer by a by a lot. I, I would drop Scherzer down to hmm, at least fifteen. And I'm not sure I would have Strasburg that high. 15 either. among pitchers, right? Strasburg, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Strasburg is a guy. I'm looking for more information. He's got that that neuritis, carpal tunnel neuritis. I tried looking into that injury and right. finding other pitchers who've had it. And usually it's it's ulnar neuritis. It's a problem more with the elbow. So carpal tunnel neuritis is like around the hand wrist, right? Like that's just very bizarre. And there hasn't been a whole lot of information about that yet, like whether he's going to throw on time or if he's going to be delayed in spring training. I mean, it's very early, of course. I, I, he's a really tough rank, given what we know. If you want to avoid risk, that's t- totally understandable. There's no reason to walk into risk that early when Kenta Maeda, Aaron Nola, uh, I would say Zach Gallen, you know, those guys don't have mm-hmm. present arm injuries that you're worried about. I think the other guys that are ranked near that range for me Snell and Glasnow and Lamette, they all have red flags health-wise, too. I mean, Lamette had the late-season injury, had Tommy John a couple years ago. Glasnow, I think, look at the innings total the last two seasons, 118. Easily the lowest inside my top 20 overall. The stuff's fantastic, but he needs a third pitch, and he needs to show us he can stay healthy. So I I do kind of have this this grouping uh, at, at 16, 17, and 18 that, I like those pitchers and what they could be. I don't sure, necessarily yeah. like drafting them where I have them ranked. I think in the moment, I'd probably take Zach Gallon over all three of those guys because I feel like 
floor matters to me a lot in that range. And the reason Zach Gallon's innings total is as low as those guys is because he was a call-up in 2019, not because he was injured and missing time. Good old Zach Gallon. Good old Zach Gallon. If you had picked him up when I said, you'd be happy. Uh, actually, you guys told me not to trade for him and hold on to Justin Verlander. No, I don't was remember. it Verlander? Who was Sale. it? I don't, I don't. It was Sale. Yeah, that was oh, it. Yeah, well, I remember that now. Zach Plezak also, I think, is. I think that guy's pretty <laughs> damn, pretty darn good. Let's move on. No, Zach Plezak is a is a, a really good pitcher. DVR, where's the and first? And Max Fried. Where's the first tier done? Is it after eight? It looks like eight, right? So you get Degrom, Cole, and Bieber as the you know top three absolute aces. Tatis, Acuna, Trout, Betts, and Soto. As your top five hitters, I feel like the the dip comes when you look at Christian Yelich and Trey Turner and Bellinger in that next. For me, it's eight. If you if you pick number nine, you're in trouble. I don't know. I like Trey Turner an awful lot. I, I love Turner uh, as the really as do. the hey I'm picking ninth and he's still yeah. there. I mean, especially if you're playing in yeah. uh, an NFBC league where you can't trade for more steals and you're trying to win an overall prize and. I've said this a few times. Trey Turner has more power than people realize. You look at his exit mm-hmm. velo numbers. You look at the year-over-year home run totals. When he's totally healthy, he gives you a decent amount of power. It's you know more comparable to uh, Starling Marte's power, which I think earlier in his career, people just thought Turner was all speed and, and not much in that category. Out of Bruno Mondesi, I love that you have him at 18. I just love that. I think that that's the right answer. I, I'm raising him to. I think I mentioned this two weeks ago, but as I'm starting on these these dynasty rankings, uh, there it's definitely uh, he's definitely hitting my top twenty five, twenty seven, something like that. He's in he's because he's a game changer. He just changes the league. He's you're going to win steals. You're gonna probably hurt in your average a little bit. Well, OBP is dangerous, but in a in a five by five, Mondesi is just a beast so valuable what about Xander Bogarts I looked at I was looking at his underlying numbers they're not that good DVR yeah he's a little light on average exit velo but I also think you get to a point when you get the K rate under 20 percent you're going to find some guys that because they're putting a lot of balls in play they're putting some weekly hit balls into play and that's going to bring that average down but if you look at like max exit velocity he compares favorably to the elite players around him no concerns about playing time Solid power, little bit of speed. He's hit 307 over the last two seasons combined. I, th- I think he's one of the more underrated young players in the game. I just hate Red Sox players. They're, they're your second favorite, favorite team. It's your second favorite team. <laughs> I know that's why. I said. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I so, said so Bogarts is just one of those guys, man. Like I, I kept looking at him, like he is just solid. I mean, you could look at Bogarts right next to Bregman and Anthony Rendon, and I think the thing you like about Bogarts, he's a little bit younger. Uh, runs a little bit more than those guys. But I just don't think most people immediately think of him as a hitter of that caliber. Nando has a hard out. I got a hard out, yeah. He's got a hard out. So right. I don't know if we can if we can keep going, but I can keep going all day. Are we back next week or are we back the week after, I think? Mm. The week after for our Thanksgiving show. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. Gobble, Very gobble. exciting. Super fun to be with you guys. Always fun. Always fun. Yeah, right? Good times. Head by all. Had by all, and I did send you. Um, I did send you the. I found the Gary Marshall uh, video and sent it to you guys, so you will be able to see it as soon as we get off air. And I just noticed Juan Soto's OBP was four ninety. Oh my god, ridiculous! That's in the dark green. Jeez Louise! And his slugging was six ninety five. That is a one point one eight five OPS. Oh, oh my gosh! And he stole six bases. Oh. 
gosh. So good. Mm. 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 I hear a baby. All right, well, yeah, <laughs> that's my heart out. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. Uh, for the man who will never let Ian see his rankings again, Derek on Riva. You couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. For the man who should be about $40 on Cameo, Ian Khan. Yeah, I tell you, this whole $40 thing seems like an insult. <laughs> I'm not a Dafino. Thank you all for joining us. We love you very much. <laughs> this has been Under the Radar, part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Bye. Goodbye. Good talk.